My name's Chloe Garner. I'm the director of Ledbury Poetry Festival, and it's a really great pleasure to welcome you here today uh, for what I think is uh, always one of the um, most special events of the festival, which is our Versopolis event. Um, so uh, I must thank the Arts Council for their ongoing support, which is really valuable to us in enabling this festival to happen. And also, um, Versopolis is a Creative Europe project, um, and it is amazing, really, that we still... We are the only literature organisation that I know of that is still part of Creative Europe. Um, and that's thanks to um, Bellatrina, uh, who, uh, partly who um, are the kind of lead, lead par uh, partner on that uh, project. And they've continued to uh, support us, um, uh, to enable us to uh, continue. So um, it really is a very special thing, I think. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Versopolis um, started nearly 10 years ago now as um, a platform which brought together, at that time it was 10 festivals, um, and Ledbury Poetry Festival was one of those 10 festivals. And we came together with the idea of translating and promoting um, poets across our festivals all over Europe. And the idea was um, to really focus on emerging poets. So to try um, to offer poets sort of um, perhaps uh, earlier in their careers or perhaps poets who had not yet received a kind of international um, profile to be able to be published, to be able to perform at festivals, to be able to network and meet other poets. Um, and uh, so that has continued, and now there are uh, nearly 30 festivals on the platform. And um, there is Versopolis Review, which is an online publication. Um, and if you go on there now, uh, we have two authors of the month who are um, Ledbury poetry critics who've written essays for the review. Um, so it's become um, a, a, a kind of sprawling initiative in some way that I um, uh, feel very, very glad that we're part of. So the chapbooks that you've perhaps picked up throughout the festival um, are published through Versopolis and um, the two poets that I'm going to introduce uh, to you today. Um, a part of that project. And I must say that these um, chapbooks are a Five Seasons Press publication. That's a Hereford-based press uh, run by Glenn Storhaug uh, with the sort of beautiful attention to the feel of a publication um, as well as the words. So um, I'm going to introduce each of our poets in turn. They're going to come up and read for um, about 15 minutes, and then we're going to have a conversation and then open up to audience questions. So that's the uh, approach we're taking today. Um, so it's a, a real honor to welcome Ulrika Almut-Sandig, um, who was born in um, the late GDR and now lives with her family in Berlin. She's um, published collections of stories, pop music albums, radio pieces, poetry collections, and a novel, Monsters Like Us. Her poetry collections in English include I am a field full of rapeseed, give cover to deer, and shine like 13 oil paintings laid one on top of the other. It's the most beautiful, expansive title. 
and um, also the thick of it, or, and also thick of it, both of which are published by Seagull Books and translated by Karen Leader, who is here with us and uh, will join us later for the conversation. And Ulrika has a forthcoming collection in autumn uh, called Shining Sheep, so look out for that. But the others are at the back uh, for afterwards for signing. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Ulrika to the stage. Hello, good morning. Is it say good morning? It's good morning for me, I guess. So um, the first poem is dedicated to the crews of the rescue ships off the Italian coast. Folge den Aufforderungen. Nimm teil, sei Teil eines Rauschens, sei hörbare Regung im Sendegebiet, sei das Kreiseln eines Schiffes unter den Satelliten, breite die Arme weit aus, sei open arms, halte Position, halte diese Position, halte diese Position aus. Benutz deine Hände, teil Trinkwasser aus, Formulare und Trost. Teil mit offenen Händen den Strand deiner Kindheitsurlaube. Teil, was dir zwischen den Fingern zerrinnt. Teil, was du nicht hast. Halt ab die Springer vom Springen. Halt Kindern die Hände. Nimm sanft der Mutter ihr Kind aus dem Schoß, verstau es im Kühlfach. Halt kurz die Hand vors Gesicht, geh wieder in Position. Halt Menschenrecht vor Gesetz, das Geheul der Sirenen, halt aus. Hol dir Rat von den Ratlosen, hör den Ertrunkenen zu. Hör nicht auf die Stimme in deinem Kopf, die sagt, streiche dieses Egel. Schwanke vor Lampedusa, glaub ihnen nicht. Leiste den Aufforderungen nicht Folge auf einen Hafen im Kurs. Steuer ihn an. So um, a few years ago, I managed to uh, leave my bank card yet again in the ticket machine of the Berliner U-Bahn Underground. Um, and I didn't realize that I don't have this bank card anymore because I love to pay cash until I got a message on Facebook by a young Afghani man uh, who almost did not have any German at all, but I understood that he had found my bank card somewhere else on the ground, uh, on the pavement and the city, and he wanted to give it back to me. And the second message, so the first message was something like, I have your bank card, and the second message was something like, I'm not one of those men 
and uh, I found that very sad that he that this that he felt the urge to tell me that he's a good person and um, I met up with him we had coffee together um, um, I bought him a huge cake to say thank you before I understood that he never eats sugar <laughs> and we got friends he was 20 back then I was 40 um, for him I guess it was new that a person uh, of the age of his mother would have uh, a working life and, and a freelancing life even so we were new to each other like you know and he introduced me to his family, and I got I got friends with them. I got friends with his uh, with most of his siblings. His eldest um, sister back then was still in Afghanistan, and he was the eldest sibling um, to uh, move to take refuge uh, with his family over Iran and uh, Turkey. Um, to, uh, uh, to Germany, and they all got their asylum, what's the word in English, their asylum, there was, they seeked asylum and was, and this was denied, so this is, this is what you say, right? Refused, the refused, so, and um, so, and the stories that they told me throughout the years somehow um, found their way into this um, uh, this little cycle of poems that you will now hear, I will read it alternating in English and German. But you can, each time you can have the other language uh, either here or in the chat box. And so it's not really about this family, but it's about all the stories they told me. But then there is a sixth um, poem of these that I added to the already existing cycle when in August 2021 the Taliban took over uh, Kabul. So I added a, a small poem about a translator being left back. So I'll start in German and then the second round will be in English. Klagelieder in sechs Runden. Lamentations in six rounds. Erste Runde. Der kleine Mann in meinem Kopf heißt Omid. Er zieht seine Runden durch alle Wunder meines Gehirns, im verhaltenen Run der Gejagten, die das Gejagtsein gewohnt sind. Meine Wunder lassen ihn kalt. Der kleine Mann in meinem Kopf geht immer rennen, niemals reisen. Er trägt eine Nummer im Pass, die ihm noch das Scheißen verbietet. Er nennt sie sein Aufenthal, sein Aufenthalt schlägt als Phantomherz im Hals eines Läufers, der Schmerzen gewohnt ist. Round two. The little man has a wife who sometimes takes pills for the pain. The little man's wife lives inside his head. Women like her never escape singly from the regions of the heart, its strange chambers of wonders 
he says. She measures his <laughs> she measures his pituitary ready for the ninth cot. She swallows tablets for her weak heart and for the pear tree in her head that rustles like the pear tree in the yard at home once did. Its leaves fill her up. She fills Omid up. Round and round he runs in my brain. Dritte Runde. Der kleine Mann in meinem Kopf, er hatte sieben Söhne. Der erste stand an der Bushaltestelle, als eine Drohne einschlug. Der zweite sprengte sich selbst in die Luft. Der dritte zählte bis tausend, als jemand dem Lehrer die Kehle durchschnitt. Der vierte blieb an der Küste für einen Job beim Schlepper der eigenen Leute. Der fünfte Sohn fiel aus dem Boot. Die Jüngsten verstehen die Wörter des kleinen Mannes nicht mehr. Sie spielen an meiner Aorta, Omid. Sie, sie lachen im Schlaf. Die, die sind dir geblieben. Round 4 The little man inside my head, he had a daughter. He loved the way she boiled minced beef, the way she answered back. He loved the wonder of her after the rain in Umid. Umid sold his daughter in exchange for the value of a ticket to Germany. Today? She called him up. She sounded like she was sitting in his ear. The pear tree in the yard was doing fine. She hadn't been outside for weeks, she said. Oh, outside, says Omid to himself. There's nothing for you there. Fünfte Runde. Der kleine Mann in meinem Kopf, er hatte einen Bruder. Der half den Deutschen beim Wörterfinden in seinem Land und hat darüber sein Leben verloren. Hast du noch gar nicht, Worure, tippt Omid in sein Handy und hängt nach dem Bruderherz dran. Bist doch im Safe, aus du weißt, was das heißt. Aber sein Bruder weiß, wie man Lippenbekenntnis ins Pashtu übersetzt. Fahr jetzt zum Airport, schreibt er als letztes. Melde mich, wenn ich in Sicherheit bin. Und Round 6. The little man inside my head reads Ovid. He reads him and the leaves of the pear tree in his wife's head. She understands the words here better than him, 
but cannot write a single one. Omid reads Ovid in his daughter's Skype. Since her marriage, she cannot keep her hand from shaking. This Latin is all Greek to me, he says. She shouts into her phone, Baba John, I can't hear you. After the rain comes the sun. Omid's wife cries out in pain with the sing-song of those who are used to labor pain. Dreimal kurz. Dreimal lang. Dreimal kurz. Dreimal kurz. Dreimal lang. Dreimal kurz. Dreimal kurz. Dreimal lang. Dreimal kurz. Dot, dot, dot. Dash. 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 Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Dash. Kurz, dreimal lang, dreimal kurz. Thank you. Dankeschön. And I figured I can't leave you like that. So I brought you something else. It's um, basically it's a talk uh, over the centuries with a good friend of mine, <laughs> and yeah, with Hölderlin, with Friedrich Hölderlin, who was a, who's a poet, a German poet that I often often struggle with. But that's sometimes good friendship, isn't it? When when um, you cannot only talk about the pleasant things with, uh, uh, with your friends, but also about the things that are really unnerving <laughs> about them. And I guess this is what I like about reading poetry, that, I, that it, sometimes it's like, it's not only about, about the things that are easy, 
but I, like, I guess Hölderlin and some other German old friends, long deceased ones, uh, allow me to, to go into the boxing ring with them or something like that. So, so what I did um, was um, I took one of Hölderlin's um, hymns, is that the word, hymns? Um, he wrote it in 1801, I believe, and, but he never finished it because he had a difficult mental state in the last three decades, decades of his life. And so he couldn't finish it for some reason, and uh, so I decided to finish it for him, the way I can do things, uh, without asking him, without being able to talk back. So, but I didn't finish it in the end, like writing the last trophies. I just combed my verses in between. Um, and then when I had done this, uh, also, uh, you know, I did this in a small village outside of Mumbai um, and uh, Due to the climate change, the monsoon uh, uh, season in South India has kind of shifted. So, so the monsoon should have already ended a month ago, but it was still going on full force. So, and every night there was an electricity cut like we had yesterday. And so I sat in the darkness and hoped uh, my, my laptop would not run out of power and wrote this poem. So, and this some, somehow also calmed itself in between the poem. But when I had written this, um, with full fear of, of this climate shit going on, <laughs> um, um, I realized that I could somehow not be here in front of you, for example, and read out the poem just like that, because it would mean that I read Haldelin's part. And after all that I had done to him already, like combing myself in between without asking him, I found, no, this guy needs a voice for his own. So uh, um, I gave him, I voiced him uh, through uh, an audio software by, from Apple. It's called Kevin. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, and, and this is what you will hear. So the audio, so the, um, the audio, audio software that you will hear, including all the mechanical mistakes that prove that it's not an AI that's actually talking, is Herdelin, and my voice is myself uh, in Karen Leader's translation. It's in English, and um, and the. And the film and the music is done with my poetry collective Landschaft. And this is all, uh, the title of it is somehow consoling perhaps for you now because it's called Shining Sheep. After Friedrich Holderlin As when on holidays to walk out and see the field He stood behind the house So we stand here and there From a night of heat the cooling lightning fell Across this heath too Fairy lights Foreign fields And the stream returns once more between its banks And I too fall back into bed in a single stroke and with the heavens delighting rain I still drip when I'm fast asleep again
In quiet sunlight stands the grove of trees. Clearly audible, the drying of things in us. Like this they stand in favorable water. As we stand, forgetting how things bleed away. All present with a light on race. Forgetfulness teaches us to be the idiots we are. For when in certain seasons of the year nature seems to sleep. She does not really sleep, but beats. The poet's face is also sorrow. Go on and blub. Fist at our throat as one beats sheep at sharing time. For even when she rests she senses what will be. As one rests when one forgets as soon as it's done. But now the day breaks. Waiting I saw it come. But now it makes me mad. For she herself, who is older than the oldest sheep. Older than the sharing. Older even than the sharing blade. Nature now has woken with the sound of arms. Our light strings stretched across the night are all the same to her. By established law, as in former times, born from holy chaos, she shares patterns and logical theories, cuts us off in one go. Creator of all things, once more, you ask where she is? Ask instead, can you bear her, blow after blow? Say, shining sheep, shining sheep, shining sheep, Friedrich. And now, go to sleep. I'd now like to introduce uh, Teresa Sal Omonsen, who was born in 1985 in Aarhus, educated at the Danish Academy of Creative Writing, and has a BA in philosophy from the University of Copenhagen. Her first poetry collection, Throw the Sky into the Sea, received an award for debut authors. And in 2021, her second work, the long-form poem, Song of Songs, was published to much acclaim. Additionally, Teresa has published the poem Ritual, and you can see her books at the back in Danish, uh, really beautifully made, so you can really understand how beautiful these books are. Um, and she's also... Um, made a translation into Danish with Steen Storm of Edith Sodergrand's poetry collection, The September Liar, from Swedish. So, welcome, Theresa. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay, now that's on. Um... I'll be reading from this book, Kest Himleni Havel. It's Throw the Sky into the Sea. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be reading in Danish, and uh, the English translation will be up here. Uh, it's a new translation because my work haven't been translated to English before, um, only to Swedish. So.
Jeg vil gerne i rettesættes. Jeg vil gerne holde ryggen rank. Jeg vil gerne tilfredsstille. Jeg vil så gerne holde kæft. Jeg vil helst ikke rynke brynene. Det klæder mig ikke. Jeg vil helst ikke skulle tvinges. Jeg vil lade ham tage mig, så jeg slipper. Jeg vil slippe for jeg. Jeg vil modtage hans lussing på et sølvfad. Jeg vil spændes fast. Jeg vil strammes op. Jeg vil stiliseres. Jeg forestiller mig lydighed. Jeg forestiller mig en lydig kvindes bøjede nakke. Jeg forestiller mig perfektion. Jeg forestiller mig ingen modstand. Jeg forestiller mig reduktion. Jeg kræver ingen sandhed. Jeg kræver intet taktilt. Jeg kræver ingen opløsning. Jeg rækker tunge af mit spejlbillede. Jeg har en fisse som en mund. Jeg kravler langs væggene. Jeg spiser hvide æbler, plukker hvidpudrede krokus. Jeg ønsker mig ingenting. Jeg er hans lille, lyserøde afgrund. Jeg er et lydigt offer. Jeg er et lykkeligt offer. Jeg søger ikke nydelse. Jeg leder ikke efter retfærdighed. Jeg taler om et lille mor på jaret, en lille konkylie. Jeg taler ikke om udholdenhed. Jeg taler om rene rum, kokain, hvide viljer. Jeg taler om traktorkideer og et forgyldt kirsebær. Misforstå mig ikke. Jeg elsker dine hænder. Den måde, du gør bondage til kunst. Min krop bliver en installation. Misforstå mig ikke. Jeg elsker dit hoved. At dine tanker kredser om min tilfredsstillelse, mens du fastholder, at det handler om din tilfredsstillelse. Vi kender begge spillets regler. Misforstå mig ikke. Jeg vil gerne være uden sanser og fixeret, ubevægelig. Ikke at jeg vil afskære dig fra min verden, men du er mit vigtigste redskab til at slippe ud af den. Vi sidder i stuen og ser mørket trænge ind gennem ruderne. Vinduets kultegning vibrerer af vind bag træernes lodrette linjer. Udenfor står påskeliljerne. De bøjer deres hoveder som Jesus på korset, mens vi sidder i hver sin stol, med hver sit hoved, med hver sin hjerne, og drømmer om at skrue hovedet af kroppen, udskifte det med et andet. Vinduen rusker ruden, påskeliljerne knækker i haven. Min krop er slap som en brækket vinge. Jeg ville ønske, at vi stadig kunne elske med hinanden. Jeg mangler en Gud eller en krop at klamre mig til. Verden er akromatisk. Vinduets kultegning vibrerer af vind bag træernes lodrette linjer. Hvis bare jeg kunne nøjes med at føle én ting ad gangen. Giv mig enkelthed. Bagbundet på gulvtæppet. Et tomt læret på en farvestrålende væg. Så lad os forsøge os med engle, give slip, 
slippe konsensus, konformitet for en anden slags klar virkelighed. Det er lettere at gennemhulle en krop end et moralkodex. Jeg vil gerne have deltaget i korsfæstelsen. Guds kærlighed kondenseres i min fars øjne og falder som nøje afmålte dråber fra pupillens pipette. Inde i dem historier om kælketure og engle i sneen. Menneskeengle, der kan vækkes og folde deres vinger omkring os i kulden. Det kan ikke være rent nok, ikke hvidt nok. Vil du ikke varme mig? Vil du ikke trøste mig? Tryghed. Aftenbøn. Ingen er bange for at fryse ihjel. Guds kærlighed kondenseres i min fars øjne, der blanke som i feber kan se gennem vægge, så han kan passe på sit hus og værne om sine døtre. Der har sex på hver sit værelse med en hånd for munden for at holde lydene inde. Og det er som om vægge og døre bliver gennemsigtige. Vi udstilles. Vi er flåede engle med muskler og sener, og alle vores lyde forstørres igen og igen i et omvendt ekko. Hver en ivrig berøring, hver en sammentrækning, og alt hvad han har set, sætter sig fast i hans øjne. Guds kærlighed kondenseres i min fars øjne. En uudholdelig stillhed som efter et barns latter, hans ansigt i hænderne, alt for meget kærlighed spildt imellem fingrene. Menneskeengle er flade aftryk langt under himlen, vi vifter med armene. Sandelig siger jeg dig, at jeg måske nok er levende, når jeg indånder havluften, der bærer sig bølgerne mod kysten. At jeg måske nok er levende er et udmærket udgangspunkt, men jeg er stiv i ledene, min krop er tung som en kirke. Jeg skal ruskes, som stormen rusker træet på heden. Se, de grenede arme gestikulerer vildt. Hør min stemme råbe, rusk mig. Jeg tager fat ved solarplexus og krænger mine ribben udad, så huden hænger som ødelagte gardiner. En sværm af spue flakser ud i dagslyset. Ribbenene skodder står åbne og flasker mit smukke blå lungevæv. Måske er det, fordi bladene igen falder af træerne. Måske ikke. Men her er min drøm. Et rum med madras, en elpære hængende fra loftet og fire hvide vægge. En opiumspipe eller en enkelt sprøjte heroin anrettet på et glasfad. Enkelt rent. Dine hænder om min hovedskal, ensomhedens rødder i min krop, så kan jeg stå der, som en dukke med stoltrådsskelet, 
med stive knæ, med den snørklede hjerne i dine hænder. Og pludselig hører jeg stemmen, knus angstens kakelak under din støvle og gå med tunge skridt mod havet. Til kubisterne. This is uh, the second part of my debut book, uh, which is called Dedications. So each poem is a dedication, and this is for the cubists. Yeah. Jeg slæber den lyse skygge efter mig bag den kinesiske papirvæg. Jeg tager kjolen af foran spejlet. Den græske statue derinde er hvid som et ligeklæde, jeg siger, stå der, skulpturelle kvinde. Husker du hans faste greb om dine bryster, hændernes buer som skåle? Du ligner en veldrejet krukke, en opretstående sølvske. Jeg vil gerne være klar i hovedet, som havde vinden blæst igennem det, en følelse så ren, så lige til, som en fugl på toppen af en flagstang. Sådan vil jeg se ud over verden, den verden, der er min. Jeg knejser med benene slanke stilke, ballernes hibiskusblomster og rygsøjlens svejende linje. Jeg ligner en kvinde med hændernes hvidlige famlen efter gul lykke, tryghedens vinterfrakke at svælge i. Jeg ligner en kvinde med bløde øjne på pillens blegrønne krans som den sorte kerne som havet om en klippe. Nu vipper jeg let i hoften. Jeg er smukkere end alle Baninis statuer. Skulptørerne elsker mine mål. Jeg vil gerne være let i kroppen som svævede jeg under vand. En følelse så vægtløs, så stille som valen i Atlanterhavet. Sådan vil jeg være i verden, den verden, der er min. Samfundet derude er en gammel avis. Nyhederne interesserer mig ikke. En mand taler og taler om frihed på tv. Han retter rutineret på slipseknuden. Grå, som om verden tilhørte ham. Han står rank, mens soldater falder og børn leder efter deres forældre. Manden på slagmarken, han retter blikket mod mig som et dobbeltløbet gevær, og han har mistet sine arme som en gammel gud. Jeg står foran spejlet. Jeg siger, stå rank. Den blanke flade er et lukket vindue med forskudte lemmer i guldramme, som en mosaik forvrænget gennem vand. Min lyse skygge ligger udstrakt på gulvet. Jeg synker sammen som ler på en drejebænk. Jeg stiger på kroppen derinde og griber hårdt med hænderne om mine bryster. Kantede flader af hud skrider ind over hinanden. Jeg ser den matte, trekantede kind og den skrigule hofte. Mavens kvadrat og knæenes skæve, irgrønne cirkler. Spejlet lyver ikke. Mine veneblå ribben stikker ud. Der findes ingen bløde former. Der findes intet hvidt. Jeg retter mig op og betragter den asymmetriske skulptur. Den stykvise farveskala. Kroppens palet. 
And this poem is to Vitislav Nesval. I don't know if anybody knows him, but he's a Czechish, uh, Czech uh, poet um, from the 30s. Yeah, from the 30s. Um, and he's a serial, serialistic uh, poet. Yeah, and I love his work. So this is why I've dedicated a poem to him. Udstrakt krop på hvidt lagen, huden udstrakt over krop, venernes landkort. Hjertet er en hovedstad, en pulserende bikube i brystet. Du ligger uroligt, som et barn, der vågner alene om natten, som en gammel dames hår, der strammes i en knold, som kjolen, der brides af kvindens slanke hænder ved Baranasis flod. Sådan spændes du op. Og sådan strækkes du ud. Din krop trækker sig sammen om dig. Fatamorgana krop i dine hænder. Ensomhedens produkt. Knitrende laner hver gang du vender dig. Nat bliver dag, der gulligt gennemlyser skovbrynet. Du forestiller dig hendes nønnen i køkkenet. En summende lyd som cicader. Du forestiller dig neglelakkens stærkt røde farve, hendes tær som ti valmuer, ti spidse erkendelser. Du lytter. Din hjerne er timeglas. Din hjerne med valnødens kringlede kroge. Din hjerne et fuglebur, en mekanisk nattergal. Du griber efter tilfældige ting. Du vandrer rundt i lejligheden som en søvnginger, en mumie, et barn med bindt for øjnene. Du er et fugleskramsel uden hat, når du om dagen står halvsovende op ad dørkarmen. Du drømmer om vilde fugles træk, om Grønlands isocean og bjørnene, der venter ved fangerhullerne. Døden i en pote, det fede sælkød, de pelsforede vanter, kamikkerne. Kulden, der trænger ind. Du vågner uden hænder, som var de tørret ind og faldet af. Døde lemmer dinglende som et foster i tynd snor. Du vågner op uden øjne, som var de sunket langt ind i kraniet. To huller, som knaphuller, som knapper. To sortglinsende biller. To stykker sammenpresset tomhed, som natten i natten i en kikkert. Du vågner. Udstrakt krop på lagen, med lungernes ribindstrammer snærende i kroppen. Du ånder tak fast. Du ånder tak fast. Du løfter dit hoved og ser kvindekroppen, der ligger der, bleg og fjern som et møbel. Hendes krop er en kiste. Du magter ikke at røre ved hende. Du magter ingenting længere. En dag vil du se stjernerne forvandle sig til stampende heste. Du vil se Guds forbavsede ansigt, der sortner og stivner under deres hår. Du vil se ind i hestenes øjne. Rødlige tunneller med gnistrende lys. Røde og grønne kvinder vil danse for dig på hestenes rygge. Du vil sluge meteorer. Og med longepisk vil du tæmme de stejlende stjerner. Du vil råbe, se lysets tråde gennem min splindrende krop. Ingen vil forstå dig. 
men du vil tage mørket som en kappe om dine skuldre og dirigere planeternes symfoni perfekt disharmonisk som Stravinsky. Kloden vil være en snoretop på klovnens tunge, klovnens vrængende ansigt med det tegnede smil. Han vil græde sin sminke i stykker, stadig med tungen udstrakt som en hvid kobra. Du vil tegne et nyt smil på hans sortstribet ansigt. I vil være ligne dansere mellem solen og månen. Intet vil kunne røre jer, og du vil vide, at du er alene, men stærk og lykkelig. Til Gud. Jeg satte en mand i dit sted. Hans krop er mit alter. Jeg sidder nøgen foran ham med spredte ben. Han stiger op i mig. Hans øjnes knappe nåle i min sommerfugle krop. Jeg lukker øjnene. Ingen af jer har magt over mig længere. Yes, thank you. Right. So we've got some time for questions. That's your mic. <laughs> um, so. Um, Do we have any, I feel like because we have, um, time is, uh, there isn't loads of time. Are there initially any audience questions or shall I ask a question first? If, if you're burning to ask questions, do put your hand up. Otherwise, I can ask a question just to start us off. Ah, oh, we do have a question here. Do you want to wait for the microphone? Um, it's going to sound a bit simplistic interested in how the translation had affected your work. I think um, both of you really, um, yeah, just how the, how the translation had impacted on your work and how the voice of poetry in your particular country was sympathetic to the translator and how much you lost or gained of your own kind of stylistic voice. Is that too broad? Sorry. To any style? Yeah. It's, it's, I can say It's always difficult with translation because with the alliterations and the rhythm and stuff like that, you need to translate it to another uh, language. So it's, it's quite difficult. But I think the translator did, did a good job and tried to, tried to do it. But sometimes you lose some alliterations and some rhythm because you have to change it. But I think... Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to say? So, um, Karen Leder, who translates my work, and I, uh, we work quite closely together because we've been, we've been doing this for quite a while now, since um, 2012, I believe. So you get to know each other somehow, and it. Um, so sometimes she is literally the first person to read my. Uh, not even finished uh, manuscripts like um, like the novel that's on the book stall, uh, on the book stand over there. She was the first reader of, not my partner. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so, uh, so she, I, I'm saying that because she knows different um, stages of, of, of my work, not only the finished ones. And, and sometimes, so, so I guess our collaboration also, um, uh, apart from the fact that we've grown close and being friends now, it's also, there is a lot of, uh, it, it, it shifts also sometimes even into editing. Uh, because sometimes you come back to me, you get back to me with a text that I've written and, and point out to me some really some mistakes or some strange things that you don't understand. Or sometimes even you say, like in finished manuscript, you tell me, oh, I struggle in translating this or that. And then I start to think, oh, yeah, I actually struggle in understanding it myself, like the original. Um, so, uh, so being the first reader is something... something like reading and translation has, is there is a shift between this, and I, I tend to think that the translation is actually intensified reading itself. Mm. So, um, and so far, I think. What do you think? Um, yes, you're, uh, yes, you're right. I think um, I, I tend to think of nothing as untranslatable, um, mm. but. Oh yeah, oh, I think it is now. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Thank you. Um, yes. Oh yes, that's different, isn't it? I tend to think of nothing as untranslatable, but um, obviously things sometimes have to go a, a long way away mm. in order to come back actually quite close. Mm. And um, uh, you, you talked about a kind of you know how the. Uh, translation affects the poetry. Um, I think, um, I'm not sure it does, but on the other hand, I think um, where there are surprises or alliteration or little things going on in the German, it's very rare, or the or, or other languages, it's very rare that you can actually do the same things at exactly mm. the same point. And so you have to create other little surprises or explosions or... <laughs> things um and so i guess it, there's a kind of backwards and back and forth between the languages um and if you're very lucky and find an author who's very open and generous um they give you permission to go off and do something yourself and so that the poems really can become poems in english as well rather than distant echoes yeah, yeah. that's too vigorous now <laughs> <laughs> any other questions I had. Um, I was interested in um, both your poems. There's uh, some quite different themes, but both sets. There's a lot of intimacy, isn't there? I think mm. in both your poems, either the intimacy mm. that you seem you have with the um, the refugee um, family and, mm. and and that the, the inside the head, which is so different in a way to that sort of narrative of where these pe people are sort of some, some, something of, uh, distant or objectified, and then with you, with you with this. God and uh, the some kind of and, and sexuality and uh, father and all so this these different kinds of intimacy. So I wonder if you could just talk a bit about those themes that are so central to your work and intimacy, perhaps in each case. So maybe Teresa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I write a lot about religion and sexuality. Um, it's quite some strong themes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm, I've been very interested in it, in it because I've 
myself, I grew, grew up in a very strict Christian family. Um, and uh, so that's a lot of experience about, I have a lot of experience with religion and and um, how uh, if, if you grow up very strict, it can be difficult to express yourself, um, also sexual. Mm. Um, and... Um, Yes, and the father is is a figure also in in my poems, also in the new poems I'm writing. I'm I'm working on a third poetry collection, and there's also a lot of uh, things about the father in in this, um, and the father figure, which um, sometimes glide over in the god figure, and they kind of melt together sometimes. Um, and also this thing about disappointing God or disappointing the Father, that all the shame connected with this. So it's also this poetry collection with uh, Throw the Sky into the Sea, it's also a, um, trying to somehow um, uh, break free uh, of the, this, all these restrictions and trying to as the last poem said, trying to replace God and kind of finding a new way of experience in the ecstasy, uh, uh, ex, ex, yeah, and and kind of filling a hole after this belief in God is gone, mm. um, and it's trying to put men and drugs and sexuality and a lot of stuff, <laughs> it's trying to fulfill this, and in the end, it it kind of finds its place somehow in the end of the book but yeah. uh, but still struggling of course but yeah, yeah. Yes. yes trying to be a woman in in the world with uh, with a man god and yeah <laughs> so that's some of the themes uh, mm. and with a, a strong father figure yes yeah. that's very strong pushing back in that fabulous poem where you're pulling apart your yeah. solar plexus and the lungs somehow trying to transform yeah. the body and the soul also somehow or, yeah the mind uh, and i think that poetry can sometimes be uh, a power for transforming almost magically transforming the world or the body and and that's that's uh, what I want, wanted with this poetry also, maybe trying to transform something, and maybe mm. also for the reader can can experience this transformation. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I, I, I was just, while you were uh, explaining that, I was, I uh, thought of the, a very interesting event we had yesterday with Nisha, who's in the audience, about trip in literature, trip in poetry, and I think, um, you would have also fitted in, in, mm -hmm. in that context really interestingly also when I, when I think about your poetry though. So that's really interesting. Um, I also grew up in a, in a religious household. Um, my father is a Lutheran priest, um, but the household was not very strict, um, but more um how to there were there was a i guess there was um not a strictness like in religious uh, how protestantism deals with gender and sex it was more that there was a pressure coming from the society of the late gdr 
it's kind of lasting upon this family and the marriage of my parents uh, and putting, yeah, putting them into positions where they could not be like uh, raising us, I guess, the way they would have loved to raise us as free minds. And, uh, and, and I feel that, that, so I don't, I never had the struggle of free, to, to free myself from, from religious boundaries, uh, even though they were, of course, existing somehow, but it's more like that I'm taking over the tradition of my, my parents' household, even though I'm sure they have, they have other opinions about what I do, <laughs> but I think, what I think is um, that I'm still in the tradition of, um, of this word the, that is a physical process, uh, the poem itself being rather a process and specifically a physical one than, um, than a result of a process of thoughts or something like that. So, so and also to me, uh, Within the tradition, there's this idea or this, and it's not something that I decided for consciously. It's more that something that I find uh, after some years when I wonder why I do things the way I do is, is that basically it's, it's mostly about being in a dialogue with you. Uh, mostly with you as the readers, as the audience, and that ha that has nothing really to do with slam poetry, or not even perhaps with spoken word, whereas spoken word is a very variety of ranges right now. But like, it, but it's literally coming from um, from the tradition of really Protestant. Um, talking about doubts and I think doubting an absence of God, um, absence of language, absence of knowledge is something so that you don't, you know, you being in dialogue about something that is absent is something very Lutheran for me mm -hmm. um, or mm -hmm. very, very Protestant so to say, uh, so in that way, even though my father disagrees, I kind of feel like I'm, I, I, I am the kid in the family who took the job. <laughs> <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, any, other, any other questions? Anybody um, have a question? I mean, I think um, it is uh, striking that, you know, both of you, as, as you've talked about in a, the sort of personal thing, but then there is that um, engagement, as you said, with the place of women or in, uh, uh, re and related to a male god or with your poems, these very... Um, well, I mean, both of you as well were doing a kind of celebrations of, as you said, the cubis uh, or, or some kind of writing mm -hmm. too, but I'm interested in... And your poem about the... Um, like the people that go out in Lampedusa. And mm. so there's a sort of feeling of the power of poetry that must be to what, to, for, for you to write these poems that are poems of protest, I guess. Um, I'm interested in that, that sense of protest and in your work, yeah. perhaps a kind of activism. I think, actually, I know you write um, very um, clearly political poems. Mm. I think somehow I also have a political agenda, but it's more hidden. And it's about... Um, what is it about? Fremadgørelse? 
estrangement uh, in the world, like in this society we live in, uh, there's always this distance and estrangement. And I think uh, somehow this is also a protest, uh, protest of, mm -hmm. uh, of somehow wanting to feel more or live more or something. Um, and a, pretend, a prote protest to the capitalist world somehow, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sort of object to making object. women objects yeah. or somehow some kind yeah, of... Yeah, also or... both feminists uh, yeah. as a feminist objection, but also, yeah. yeah, maybe more general also, yeah. yeah. To the, yeah, to the system, or, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't, I just, I just, I was thinking, I, I didn't find your agenda really hidden. I, I really... Um, admire the straightforwardness of it just okay yeah um and for myself i i don't really think about whether something's political or not no. because it's political anyway as soon as it yeah. deals with language yeah especially uh, i <laughs> i know there are lots of german colleagues who who disagree with this but I think it's just not possible to to write in German language as a language um, in which uh, many atrocities have been committed. So uh, without being political. So even if you write about um, to, to to put a prominent example, if you write even if you write about trees like Brecht and his famous poem. Um, in which he states that he would love to write about trees. So if you, even if you write about nature, uh, flowers, whatever, if, if it's, it's even the gaps, even the things that you don't say are a decision. So, and uh, mm -hmm. de decision to not say something. So, so when, when, when you don't, so, but that doesn't really, that doesn't mean that you need to comment or that you need to yeah, comment and have thesis in poetry. It's more like that poetry is a means to, to, to question, to, 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 to share fears and questions and, and, and to share the fury, to share the doubt, mm. uh, and rather, than, uh, rather than knowing better than your own readership. Because yeah. we know we all have a very advanced uh, and educated readership, so why should I know more than than anyone else? So, but it's still political. Um, yesterday we had a talk, Karen and I, and we remembered um, when, uh, of one of a very of a, of a very early poem uh, in which, uh, uh, when you translated it, uh, um, there was a we talked about whether it's possible to write. Um, um, about uh, a certain species of trees, Buchen, beach. beach, about beach, even though beach in German is Buchen, and one of the um, one of our concentration camps is called Buchenwald. So whenever in German there's mm. the word Buchen, you of course you think of this concentration camp. So, so, so mm. basically, language itself—the choice of language—is is, uh, is political. 
as also seen like now with uh, Ukrainian writers um, de deciding not to write in Russian anymore, but mm. uh, deciding to write in Ukrainian. And, and there is choices, and the mm. choice of your language itself is political, even though sometimes mm. it's not a free choice. Mm. Absolutely. I was going to say that there's no innocent language. It's not just German. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's no innocent language. And so as soon as you choose to use language in any way or silence, it's political. But then also poetry is a supremely political act because it goes against the easy consumption of knowledge and it asks the reader to take time and take care and pause. And so that again is a kind of profoundly political mm. thing, I think, mm. in the broad mm. sense. But I think poetry is also a very good um, way of in inviting people into experiences that they maybe don't know about. Mm. For example, if you have not grown up in a religious family, then this is a way to invite you in and say, this is how it is to grow up in a religious family and all the feelings that follow and all, all these emotions that follow and shame and stuff like that. And people can maybe try to realize and feel empathic about, um, about it and it, it uh, widens the world, you know. Mm. So I think it's, that's also political somehow, but Absolutely. I think it's, it's a good way of expanding uh, one's mind mm. when you read, yeah. Yeah, share, sharing, sharing fears yes. also and, and sharing, um, sharing things that seem intimate or private mm. but are coming from the society of course yeah. so nothing really that happens in family no violence that even if it's just subconscious violence under the surface nothing like that nothing that happens in families like that is purely private no it's all of course it's it's structural part of a system somehow yes, yes. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I'm afraid we've run slightly over, so, but thank you very much, or our three, our two poets and Captain as well. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.